Hello, I'm Jason Solomons, and this is Seen Any Good Films Lately, the podcast talking to the stars of awards season 2022 and filling you with the finest films to watch right now. The greatest gift he gave me was to trust my instincts. We're ignoring one of the most amazing films of all time that I watch annually at Christmas, The Great Escape. My two guests on this episode you heard there are Ariana DeBose, nominated twice at the BAFTAs for E.E. Rising Star and for Supporting Actress for West Side Story, in which she plays Anita. And that fine man, Jason Fleming, who stars in four times nominated Boiling Point at the BAFTAs alongside Stephen Graham, and who also stars in this week's release, A Violent Man with Craig Fairbrass. It's a bumper show, so we'll hear from our two stars after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. Conspicuously absent from the BAFTA nominations, but very popular with the critics circle, is Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir Part 2, which is out in cinemas now and which I thought was exquisite. It's just a lovely potent film about memory and nostalgia and finding a voice and I can't really understand why some voters have clearly taken right against it I mean to not nominate it at all seems bizarre to me because it's pretty gorgeous and unusual British filmmaking so maybe it's some kind of self-loathing pangs of middle class cultural cringe watching it I don't know It's an autobiographical film about the director's early days as a student filmmaker in 80s London. Her character Julie is being played by Honest Winton Byrne, who's now coming to terms in part two with the trauma of her junkie lover that we saw in Souvenir Part One. And she's getting a graduation film made with loans from Mummy and Daddy. Mummy is played by Honor's real-life mummy, Tilda Swinton. And the pair are wonderful together. It's one of the great mother and daughter on-screen relationships. It's full of these little coded affections and aggressions. So see it for that, because, you know, not much happens in the souvenir. The most dramatic incident in part two is when a pot falls off a mantelpiece. But that is nevertheless quite a moment in the context of the drama we're watching. And there's also brilliant conjuring of atmosphere, there's Richard Iowadi's tantrums, there are 80s film biz references, and there's great music, including Jewel by Propaganda. Right, let's meet our first awards representative, fresh from securing her BAFTA nomination for E.E. Rising Star. I zoomed with Ariana DeBose, who calls herself, with just pride, Spielberg's Anita. Life can be bright in America. If you can fight in America. Life is alright in America. If you're alright in America. Well, 
regular listeners know how much I loved that film and how dear to me the musical is. So it was a real joy to meet up with a woman who gets to sing America and the Tonight Quintet and follows in the clacking heels steps of Rita Moreno, who won an Oscar for the role in 1962 and who plays Doc or the equivalent of Doc in this film now at the age of 89. I spoke to Ariana the day before she also found out she'd been nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the BAFTAs too. I apologise in advance for the slight cutouts on the line but that's the risk of zooming sometimes and I wish I could have been in Soho for a face-to-face with Anita herself. But there you go, in the words of the famous Anita song, it was too late to forget that Zoom and find another. I was so excited by that nomination and just, I mean, I'm an American being recognized by a, a British entity that is so cool and flattering. And how about those other nominees like Shauna Lynch, you know, Millicent, like, oh my God, Harris. Oh, yes. Incredible. Great company. Um, great great company. Anyway, it's brilliant to have an Anita with us. I love your Anita. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. What did Rita Moreno say to you about being Anita? Or did you ask Rita Moreno about being Anita? How do you how do you even act Anita when Rita, Rita Moreno's in the same room? Gosh, that's such a good question. You know, when I first met her, I had a big fat panic attack. <laughs> and she said, oh, honey, it's a lot. And she took me to lunch and just said, what do you want to know? I'll tell you anything you want to know. And I said, I want to know anything you want to tell me. And she sort of got me. And she just said infuse her with everything that makes you unique and you got this you don't need my help so that's what i did and she made it easy she made lots of space for me she wasn't invasive so we didn't do a lot of talking while we were working on on the film but in during our press tour we've gotten pretty close it's been lovely to have a a multi-generational relationship like that Mm -hmm. Uh, did she not tell you how to even ruffle the skirt properly how to lift how to show your knickers properly no, she didn't. I think she understood that I knew how to show my knickers just fine. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we had fun. And I will tell you, dancing with Rita Moreno, hanging out with Rita Moreno, there's nothing like it. She's got story time with Rita Moreno. Now that is a treat. I wanted to do Dang. that. I was so jealous of you. I was like, damn, <laughs> damn. Not only did you get the part, I mean, the best part in the whole play, you know, someone Thank gets you. to say to you, oh, no, Anita, no, Anita, no. I love that. It's good. Oh my God. Dra- the drama, darling. The drama. That, what, and I all mean, about that. Rachel Zegler just yeah, she, belting for the boat. The two of you together. Beautiful. For the gods. Well, yeah, but you. I mean, that, that, a boy like that, who knew you killed your brother. Um, that, I get, yeah, I've always loved that track. I've always loved that tune. I've always loved that scene in the original. Your, yours, I thought, topped it. That was where for me, I was like, this is, we are flying here in this. That was such a dramatic, beautiful rendition of that really tough duet. I think that moment in, in, the, in the film and in the piece is arguably one of the most complicated. It's a really complicated turn for that character, mm-hmm. for Anita. Um, how do you reconcile the moment you're in? The young woman you love is making terrible choices, and how how do how do you come to forgiveness? But it was it was a really wonderful exploration in grief for me as an actor, and and I I was very adamant that it 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 not be pretty. I wanted it to be ugly and and heart wrenching, and and I wanted to see her kind of respectfully lose her shit a little bit. She just lost the love of her life, 
the person she loves most in the world is gone. And I don't think in either the 61 film or typically in renditions we see on the stage, I don't think that that aspect of this woman's journey has been fully explored. So that's what I was interested in. And I was really grateful that Tony and Stephen let me do that. Yes, Um, it is. It's just a massive pivot because she she also has to let Maria go. Yeah, she has to let her do her own thing and make her own choices. And I think I sort of thought of it from the the maternal perspective, you know, it's like mother to daughter, you you can't make your child's decisions for them. You have to, at some point, let them make their own choices. You have to let them live their own life. That doesn't mean that those choices don't come with consequence. And as we see in West Side Story, they absolutely do. Yes, bad um, consequences, really. Not I mean, good. You not know, I mean, you kind of know this is going to happen too. You know, it sucks. The writing's on the wall. You know totally. what I mean? You can see it coming from yeah. a mile away. <laughs> and because we've seen the film before. So we know, we know don't do it. <laughs> we were alert. <laughs> don't do it. What about you? I mean, honestly, Anita, what a part. You know, you get it and you think, I'm going to sing America. I'm going to dance yeah. the mambo. What was the, the thing you were like, mm, I'm going to get to do this bit. I'm going to go, I'm going to get to go to docks or as it is now. Oh, they what, what's, what was you the... imagine if I was like, oh my God, I'm going to docks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was actually my, my train of thought on that one, but I think I was most, I don't know what I was most excited about, but I was really looking forward to dance at the gym. Yes. Dance at the gym has always been an iconic number for me or to me. And, and, the the creation of that number while we were developing the piece was really extraordinary. In fact, we created so many things that you don't see all the stuff we came up with in the film, which is kind of a shame, but I also really believe in, in the choices that were made for storytelling purposes. And that's the thing. That's one of the greatest lessons I learned as a, as an actor on film after a certain point, you got to give it up and it's the director's job in the editing room and, and your editor. I think, I think that this director, this, this director, had at least earned your your trust in that regard. I mean, Mr. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Granted, I had no problem telling him that, sir. I have trust issues, and he looked me in the face and was like, "Well, you're going to have to get over that." <laughs> <laughs> and now we're great. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, it's fair enough, though. You've done more musicals than Steven Spielberg's done musicals, you know. So, you know, that's true. It's true. It's it was it was an odd, but kind of kismet partnership for for me many reasons. That was one of them. I think you know, having worked on Broadway, I know a great deal about making musicals, how you develop them, because I specialize in making work, not necessarily replacing in Broadway shows. And I, I would like to think that was useful to him. Um, and nobody makes movies like Steven Spielberg. So I think he offered me a hell of a lot more than I offered him. <laughs> but uh, we we both learned from each other. We all learned from each other. And I think that's what made the process extraordinary. What do you think that Spielberg did say? Was there something he said to you that you, because this is one of your first movie experiences. I know you were in prom and stuff, but the, the major, major movie part. Was there something that Steven Spielberg said to you that kind of clicked for you, that, that kind of really gave you some guidance? I mean, this is a guy that's directed a shark. He's directed an alien. He's directed <laughs> dinosaurs. You know, directing right. Ariana is, is, you know, it's on a par with Oh, because she's a creature. Yes. Um, she is. She's, <laughs> she's a force of nature, that one. That's what I know. Um, and you know what's funny? I made West Side Story before I made The Prom. Oh, but you okay. saw The Prom and you saw Schmigga Dude first before you ever saw West Side Story. But the greatest gift he gave me was to trust my instincts. And what was funny, we would have 
moments on set where he'd come up and he's like, okay, I really think we got to turn on the waterworks for this one. I was like, okay. He was like, Are you, do you need a moment? Are you good? Do you need anything? Like, I was like, no, I got it. But I would be that clear and that chill about it. And he was like, are you sure you're good? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure. And, and then he'd ask me if I wanted him to roll on the rehearsal. And I was like, yeah, I think you should do that. And then we'd do it and he'd come back and he'd say something along the lines of, yes, you have it. Your instincts were right. And that's probably going to be the one that goes in the movie. And, and sometimes it was, which was very cool. Um, I think when, you, when you're working with someone like him, to be encouraged to use your instincts because sometimes you work with directors that are like, no, I really want you to do it exactly like this. And I want you to hold for two beats. And then I want you to cross the room. You feel like you're being given a well, line reading. Yeah, but with West Side Story, given that the Jerome Robbins choreography for so many yeah. years was exactly that. No, you can't. Exactly that. You've got to do and there's this. No, there's no movement around it. It's, it's rigid to a point. Like, you're right, totally. And he wasn't like that. He was very, trust your instincts, follow your feelings, and do you be Anita and I will capture it. That was really amazing. I don't expect that everybody works that way in the business, but it was a very cool first experience. When did you get Anita? I mean, obviously you'd seen Rita Moreno and you've read the part and you've probably seen Anita's and you've probably sung in the showers America to yourself a hundred <laughs> times. Um, but was there a moment where you put on an outfit, maybe the mambo dress, the something and all the America outfit and you were like, yeah, there she is. Soyanita. Soyanita. That is a good question. I'm full of I found she jumped off the page for me. Like I could see her always. I read Tony's when I read Tony's adaptation specifically. Yeah. But the second I put on the wig, it was the wig that did it for me. And I was like, there she is. But I will say we started out with a wig that was longer than what you see in the film. And I looked at Kay Giorgio and I was like, something's wrong. I think, I think we need to cut it. And she was like, are you sure? Now, Kay Giorgio is iconic and legendary. Like she's worked in the business for years. She's one of the best in the game. And she asked me, she's like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. And she goes, great. She cut it right in front of me. We looked at it and there she was. And she was like, good call. Hello, Anita. It was great. <laughs> what I think is brilliant about this film uh, mm -hmm. is that it is a film that deals with race and it deals with color yes. and it does not shirk from that. It does not kind of skirt it. It did it in 61, but this one does it more head on. You know, there's some, some amazing moments of dialogue and recognition. You get to speak Spanish. I love the, 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 the there's so much Spanish in there. Oh, yeah. But there is comment in the film about your skin color and your tone. It's like someone says, let her pass. And someone says, she's too dark to pass. Yeah. And I, I know, I know that that's, that line of dialogue is in the original. I hadn't noticed it, and here it, it hit me. I don't know if that's because of Ruth Negar and the recent film of Passing, that, that, that <laughs> thing, but that hit home, and I thought, that's an amazing kind of you know, a racial awareness that's going on in that, in, in that film. How, how was that for you, to be a Latina actress, to be a black actress, to deal with the race in, so head-on in a musical that's everyone's favourite? Well, it was something I was really uh, emphatic about, that we take that on. In fact, I said it in one of my first meetings with Stephen and Tony. It was one of my first auditions, meetings. Like I just sat down and had a coffee with them or something. No, my first audition, I, I had said, if you're not willing to take this on, this aspect of, of the identity, I'm a black woman, and talk about it in the context of the piece, then you should not hire me. Um, so there are moments like the one that you referenced, she's too dark to pass. When you you see the, the pre-America scene where it's, 
uh, Maria, Bernardo, and Anita, and she goes, yo soy Prieta, you know, and that's a very specific term for, for the community. And yes, it's in Spanish, but there are certain, you know, facets of the community well, that... Explain that to people who, who don't speak Spanish and the, and the, and the gradations oh, of that. Moment. Prieta, you could, you could, it's a term that is closely associated with Negrita, so basically means dark-skinned Latina. You are Black Latina, and it's not a very PC term, but redheaded stepchild, like not being light skinned is preferred mm -hmm. or has been historically preferred in Hispanic communities, or at least that is my understanding of it. <laughs> if someone has a different lived experience, by all means, I validate that too. Yeah. So you see, what do you see yourself as? What do you do? How do you, what do I identify as? I'm an Afro Latina. So I'm, I'm a black woman, Afro Latina, a queer person. Those are all my chosen labels at this moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and most of those can't change. In fact, none of them could change. I'm black. Like, that's not changing. Yeah, beautifully so. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But in the context, speaking to that specific example mm. within the film, it was very important to me to not only acknowledge the prejudice that you're seeing between white presenting people and darker skinned people, but the differences within the community, the colorism within the Hispanic community, Puerto Ricans specifically within the film. But... Uh, I was very proud that they took it head on. Um, and we worked with lots of different community members to try and make sure we did that respectfully. Yeah. And, it, and it, it, you know, in the context it. of 1957, you see, you it. do. And it should, it's part of what makes this perspective, this particular manifestation of Anita different from the 61 film. It is, this is a reimagination of the text. And we've never seen a black Anita, a, an Afro Latina before. And it's, completely different lived experience from walking through the world with lighter skin. Have you always spoken Spanish? Is it your mother tongue? No, actually, just to just to clarify, I, I'm not fluent. No? I'm not fluent. I worked really hard. Um, I've, I took Spanish in high school, um, but it's one of those things. You use it or you lose it. So when this job came about, I was sort of trepidatious about even auditioning. That was part of it because I'm, I knew I wasn't fluent and I didn't. I don't want to... I never want to not represent the community well. So we had some incredible, incredible language coaches, Spanish coaches, um, and I still take Spanish lessons. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel confident enough in my abilities to conduct my interviews in Spanish, because again, you want to represent well, but it, it's a part of my journey with identity, trying to familiarize myself with the native tongue, you know? Well, so I, I know you would, you would, I never saw it on Broadway, uh, Donna Summer. You played Donna Summer. I did. Summer. Well, I mean, that, I, I wish I could have seen that. Is there, there, there may be a film record of it somewhere. I don't know if there's a film, but uh, there, there, there's an album, I believe, um, probably some very terrible YouTube videos. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was, a, it was a wonderful production. I had a good time. It taught me many, many things. It was one of my first forays at being a leading lady or at least I deemed her to be a leading lady. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it, it's also the show that really helped me come into my own voice as a as a vocalist, as a singer. Um, because I, I frequently say I speak dance better than I speak English. And and I came to dancing and acting before I really came to singing. Um, that is the the last of the the trifecta that I'm starting to feel comfortable with. So, so I'm always amazed when someone's like, I love your singing voice. So, so what's the plan? I mean, Rita Moreno, possible EGOT. And I know you're, <laughs> you know, you're a, you know, you're a, you're a stage person. A lot of film people don't even get that EGOT thing. 
It's in your it's sights, true. this EGOT. I love the EGOTs thing. Not because not because of what it means. It just means that you, you, you know, you, you're a, a triple, quadruple threat. What, yeah. where, where, where are we going with this? You're a BAFTA Rising Star nominee. You're singing, <laughs> you're dancing, you're Latin, you're black. You've you, 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 you know, got all of these things representing. Uh, mm. Where does it go for you after being Anita? It's such an iconic. You've done it iconic justice to an iconic role. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. Okay. I'm very like... Um, Taking my time, trying to remain present for the moment I'm in, because let's be real, moments like this don't come along yeah. all the time in a career. So I, I want to enjoy what I have while I have it. And, you know, a long time ago, I was working on a little show called Bring It On Musical in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was sitting on a couch with my best friend, writing down a manifestation list. And I was like, yeah, I'll take an EGOT. Yeah, I'd love to make movies. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, make an album. I'd love to do all those things. And that's still true for me today. I'm really blessed to sit in a moment that feels like it has infinite possibilities. I'm not someone who likes to truly limit myself. Um, so I'm interested in everything and we'll just see what happens. Because we don't give out these BAFTA, I used to sit on that committee, by the way. So we, we don't give out the BAFTA rising star lightly. You know, once you get yeah. the nomination, you got, you got to, you got to live up to gotta it. Do yeah, you got to do something. I'm very, very <laughs> aware of uh, the prestige around this, this nomination. Um, and also just the lineage of it. Like you guys really do have your thumb on, on the next big thing. I, I, it's very humbling and astounding to be included. Um, and I genuinely am excited for all the things that I might get to do. And quite frankly, I've been telling anyone who will let me say it, I want to come back to London and work on the West End. Yes, I I would, I'm thinking that would be something that, that we, we I would, would love to have you. I'd love to do it. I also firmly believe in the variety show. So trying to bring it back. And I hear you guys really enjoy variety shows. We so love the variety show. Yeah, 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 totally. Didn't we invent variety? I think we invented it. I, we'll I'm it. honestly, you invented many, many things. <laughs> so, what a, what a, what was the first film you ever saw in the cinema? I don't know that I can actually remember that far back, but Tarzan is coming to mind, and Princess Diaries. Tarzan, Those, the, the the animated Tarzan, the animated yeah. film. Those are the two that are coming to mind as memorable cinema experiences. Yeah, yeah. And Princess then, Diaries. I just was like, oh, how cool would it be to wake up and be a princess? You are now. You woke yesterday. You woke up. You got a BAFTA Rising Star nominee. That's, that's princess stuff, right <laughs> that's there. It's princess enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> you got a crown. Uh, <laughs> well, is this is this changing your life? This this thing. I mean, this this journey, yeah. this West Side Story thing. I know it's been a long time. What with COVID, etc. But is it changing your life? Absolutely. I would be stupid if I didn't acknowledge that my life is very different than it was uh, three or four years ago. I've never had recognition like this. I've never. had had any kind of notoriety in this way this is or visibility for that matter it's wonderful a little daunting but it's absolutely wonderful to walk into a room and see people kind of light up and want to hear what you have to say coming from a dance background that's not normally the case mm-hmm. it's not nice it's nice to have choice have opportunity and i know that that can be rare for people of color so it's very cool do you i go i've been since i saw, saw the film again i just i literally I, I i sing you know a boy like that who killed your brother i'm singing america i'm singing all of it you know i'm clicking i'm jetting i'm doing all of them parts all the way <laughs> i love it I, are you i don't i mean how do you stop how do you not go around singing west side story tunes in your head all day every day i don't go around singing the tunes 
But I can tell you something else. I hear the score in my head frequently, especially dance at the gym. That entire sequence, the mambo, the quintet also is something that just lives rent free in my head. But I hear the score frequently. Leonard Bernstein's score. You can listen to the music and know what's happening without seeing anything. It's amazing. Quick, you met Stephen Sondheim, the late Stephen Sondheim too, presumably. I did. He was, you know, it's fascinating. I feel like he he's such a he was such a sweet soul and that's an odd thing to say because he had this kind of gruff nature to him um he didn't give out compliments freely put it that way i met him too by um, the way i i met him too he taught me he yeah. did yeah oh my god when, when uh, was that? oh in the 90s baby oh we love to see it honestly <laughs> i hope you had a good experience he's he was just one of a kind you know he was our he's our shakespeare you know, and, and I, I think that's the beauty of his legacy. It's really, and I think it's very profound to have West Side Story come out on the heels of his passing because his words will live on. Yeah. Well, that's what I, when I saw and it, I, maybe I was enhanced, but I saw that and I thought you guys are doing such justice to these these words, which Tony Kushner's are brilliant, but yeah. you don't change Stephen Sondheim. You don't really need no. to, like the one or two no. tweaks, but you They're, don't need to. They're just so relevant still. Absolutely. And universal. There's not a single person who listens to a Sondheim lyric and does not understand what's being said or the emotion behind it. It's it's that's what that's what makes a classic, in my opinion. Um, and he is that. And we will continue to learn from him for years to come. Yeah. Oh, the quintet. I'm glad you mentioned the quintet because I can't. You know, that is just a masterpiece. We're all coming together. <laughs> And, you know, we're going to rock it tonight. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just fabulous. And you get to sing so beautifully in that, too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. There's one, my only grievance with the film, and I haven't said this to anybody yet, so you're getting a free scoop. Um, There's one moment in the quintet. I don't think people realize it. Anita has this, like, 16-bar-long note that she's holding at the end of the quintet, and it's mixed down. You can't really hear it. And she's like, ta-da! For 16 bars, she's the only one sustaining it. And you can't really hear and it. No one, and they don't Why? have it? It's there, but you got to like really perk up. You want to do it for me? You want to do the 16 bars? If I well, can't do I don't it? know if you have time for the 16 bars. <laughs> you can still got it. You've still got it. It's only four bars, but it feels like 16. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the big one as well. Tonight. Right at the end. Yeah, Well, and that's the thing. Rachel is singing this like yeah, she's gorgeous doing. high note. And I was like, but what about me? I volunteered as tribute and it's a high note. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, <laughs> it's such a beautiful moment. I just, uh, when I get the opportunity to remind people that Anita does sing higher than I like the weed America. She's up there too. She, she's got some notes. What's your favorite line in the whole thing? Life matters more than love. And I don't even say it. You don't, you don't even say it. It's her. I don't even say it. It's from Valentina, from Rita's character. Yeah. Life matters more than love. Because it's interesting. And then and then uh, Tony's response is, they're the same thing. So it's like a twofer. Life oh, yes, matters not even, more than it's love. It's not your scene. No, it's not. But I, I'm, I talk, I'm the biggest fan of my colleagues. Okay. And... There are some really profound moments coming from sure. many, many performances. I like the everyone there will have moved here. Oh, well, yeah. Also, she's a truth teller, that Anita. Everyone there will have moved here. There you go. That's good. That's it. 
I don't need a, I don't need four bars. I just need that from you. You just needed that. Listen, my rising star, beautiful to see you, Ariana. Congratulations. Thank you for having me, Jason. Felicidades on the performance, everything. I loved it. Uh, and um, I want to see you on the London stage. So I'm, I'm front row tickets when that happens. Yes, I will let you know my first call. I loved her. Ariana DeBose there. I can't wait to see her again soon. Also out in cinemas this week, but ignored by BAFTA voters, is a terrific performance from Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. She's playing America's TV evangelist from the 1980s, and I think she's totally worth watching in this. And for me, hers is the best actress turn in every way, and I really like the film because of that. If I'm honest, it's a film about American hucksterism and bad faith and its misguided zeal and its ability to con itself and to be conned. It's rather underrated, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I enjoyed it a lot. It's camp and gaudy in all the best ways, and it's supposed to be because it's about makeup and excess. It's The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Also out this week, February the 4th, is A Violent Man tough prison cell movie with Craig Fairbrass getting a new cellmate in the form of Stephen Ojibola and our guest Jason Fleming comes in between them as a sort of mediator. How long did I give you? Seven. Your only decision from now on is what type of prison you want to be. What is it with this kid? <laughs> Just reminds me of me. Bird's rough, innit? Makes you jumpy and shit. The truth is, Frank, I'm a violent man. Tula, stock carving, prove your stones. I got iron in the blood. I would take a life like you, John McHugh. Please, man. Please, man, what? I think you've got some serious decisions to make. Survive how you can. Now, Jace is also starring in Boiling Point right now, which is great. And we had the director, Philip Baratini, on the show. And that's got four BAFTA nominations, including Outstanding British Film and Best Actor for Stephen Graham. Jason in that plays a rival chef, and he's the one who turns up wanting his loan back. So when I got hold of Jason, he's one of our most prolific character actors, actually. He's done so much work in so many films. He was at home, and I was full of praise for him for his commitment to British indie film. It's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, it was Stevie and you know, me have been mates for a long, long time, and we've, we've done loads of projects together. So I'm well chuffed for them. It's great. You've never done a one-take movie before? No. I've done some long takes, like with um, Joe Wright. When we did Hannah, we did a, like a six-minute take that I was at the end of, yeah. you know, which you're like, you know, like John Hannah, uh, John, uh, uh, like Joe Wright Jeff, does. He does like a long one. Yeah, and they're exciting to do, but never the full, you know, the full play, which is what we did with yeah. uh, Boiling Point. So I think great. Um, you, you, Stephen, and, and Philip Barantini should go to Joe Wright and go, right, okay, Atonement was all right, but this is 90 <laughs> minutes, mate. I know. It's sort of back to... Well, a basics that perhaps you haven't done for a very yeah, long, if exactly. ever. I mean, I have. I always know. I always do little independent films. I do like at least one a year. You know, I'm very lucky. I've been allowed to do what I do. But, you know, you get not blasé, but you get used to doing it. And the thrill kind of diminishes, put mm. it that way. So to do like little live films and, you know, 15 day shoots on stuff was wicked. I've, I've really, it's reignited my love of it. All. Have, so you, been, really have you ever done, have you ever been through an awards kind of process obviously boiling point sort of was doing the biffers and now it's now well, it's got baftas well um 
Benjamin Button got nominated for 15 Oscars, so I was there for that. Oh, sorry. I, you know what? I mean, <laughs> that is, no, that no, is no, terrible no, of me no. not to kind of... Obviously, they count on your Obviously, IMDb We didn't points. win one. We didn't win <laughs> one. Oh, we did win, we did win one. We won... Um, I think we got best makeup <laughs> and best catering or something like that. But, you know, poor old Finch, you know, he's, he's forever the I love that film, I have to say, but it seems to be sort of... I he's always know. the bridesmaid, isn't he, old Finch? Bless him. But, yeah, I forgot that, they, they, of course, that was massive for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And, you know, we've done, I mean, but you're right, though. You know, the, the doing um, independent stuff, it's been, it's been really nice to, to be, because, you know, they need to sell those movies. So things like, you know, I mean, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or X-Men, you know, they, they're all just a done deal. But when you've got little films, they do get to flirt around and go to festivals and nominate for this and that and because they, they, ha- they need the coverage. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, the, so Violet Man, it, Bromantics, is that, that's the same production company. Yeah. Yeah. Hester, who just got... Yes, Hester she got nominated Bar, as well, yeah. She got nominated, yeah, for a BAFTA. So I basically sniffed them out and found out, thought, well, these guys are really good. They get shit done, you know, and they're really cool. And there's a brilliant producer there called Stefan. Between the three of them, or four of them, I think it is, they just get a lot of stuff done. So I'm just hanging on to their coattails. And although they're grateful that I do their gigs secretly, I know that it's, you know, definitely symbiotic. I'm definitely getting something out of it because I'm learning from them about how to do that. And it's been really interesting how so was good. how how i mean how was being locked up in a cell with craig fairbrass well you can imagine <laughs> not much room <laughs> <laughs> it was a small cell and a big craig um i've always been a i've been a big fan of his for a long time and i think he's had this incredible rebirth like muscle and um muscle really, was amazing we had him on the show yeah. for that oh, i mean amazing. just, just great to see him being used you know as a as a, he- exactly. know, a heavyweight exactly. but as a heavyweight actor as well no no exactly mate exactly and he did that other thing which you'll remember the name of like, is it called valiant or whatever it was called the valley yeah uh, yeah the, whatever it was you look it up but you know the, the the film he did before muscle or came out just before or after muscle i think it was directed by bart one of the one of the romantics lads uh, ross mccall or whoever it was but the fact is he's always been great you know and in rise of the foot soldier 15 he's great mm. but you know it's not the same thing as the stuff he's doing now which i'm so chuffed for him because he's so self-effacing and he is a real heavyweight talent because that alpha kind of male doesn't exist anymore you know what i mean it's like statham that's really the key to his success is because he's a proper fella do you know what i mean and it doesn't mean he's not sensitive and woke but he is a proper fella well, and big ginger streak like you hanging out with like hard men like statham fairbrass <laughs> have you ever got into a fight don't need to have got them beside me <laughs> lucky that's why they're your mates yeah just call up big Vinny. don't give me any trouble <laughs> <laughs> I was so, yeah, what I love, what I like in Violet Man is that contrast because there's you all long, and then there's Craig who's sort of know, wide, you know, and that makes yeah. a lovely, lovely little contrast together when you're on screen together. Yeah, he, I loved doing those scenes with him. I was actually really nervous because I wanted to serve him well. Do you know what I mean? It's his picture, and I wanted to make sure that those scenes that I served him well in that stuff. And I would do a job with Craig tomorrow. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I've got lots of time for him, and it's great to see an actor of his quality getting the sort of scripts he should be doing you know because the fact he can make well, well we all suffer this but you know me and Dexter Fletcher talk about it that you know what our great skill was is making really bad scripts or really bad badly written scenes work because that's our skill and we got used to doing that because we did it you know a hundred times and it's the same with Craig you know what I mean he's used to doing that but once you start getting good material with good dialogue it's, it's a joy that's sure. interesting. And the interesting thing with Craig is that he, as we spoke about on the show, he went to Hollywood and he had the time. I mean, he, he was there, you know, with Sylvester Stallone and everything. And yet 
sort of didn't quite hit for him and then he had, has had to come back and rebuild. Uh, and you've been backwards and forwards as well. Every time you look like you're going to be in the Fincher or, you know, it, you do do a lot of Hollywood, Jace, but yeah. you, know, you always come back and... and, and do you know what? I think, I, I think for me, I'm lucky because it's, it's, it's a choice. It's not a choice, but it's like, I, I was given that, you know, I was given that career if I wanted it. It was there and I, I tried it. You know, I was out, I did a few movies in LA and I just went... It's not for me. I, I I want to be I want to be walking down Abbeville Road in Clapham with everyone going, "All right, geezer, how are you, mate? Here's some oranges. Don't pay for them. Yeah, they're they're on us." I'd rather be a big fish in a small sea, and I'm really happy with that and being at home and with the kids and the family. Yeah. That's just my thing, and I'm driven, but I'm not so driven that I want to cross the ocean. Um, and I did, I was really lucky because I got to do that, and then I was like, does this make me happy? I like the sunshine, but Statham's got a house there, so if I want it, I can just go you and stay, stay with there. him. I bet you're not best. No offence, mate, but I, you're probably not best in sunshine. You know that, Ginger Jean. I'm much better <laughs> off in a prison cell. You know it. <laughs> you you know glow it. in there. That's where you glow. You know it. When I did that job with the... I did a years ago. I did a job with Bertolucci called Stealing Beauty, and yes. he called me his Rosso Pomodoro because I turned up on the first day and I was bright red. And he go, Ah, Jason, my Rosso Pomodoro. That's what he used to call me because I was always bright red. Oh, well, Liv Tyler's no, you know, she's she's probably oh, she probably tans a bit better than you. I think in that one. Yeah, I think Liv probably does. She probably tans a bit better than me. <laughs> anyway, this is getting a bit surreal. I know it's a bit weird, but I just think of you out burning in the sun. But I I thought that Violent Man was mm-hmm. fascinating, really, because those sort of things. For, for a genteel watcher like me, they sort of scare, mm. they take you into a world that you think, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't quite know it. Yeah. I, I, I would, I suspect that you and Craig and Stephen feel like you know it a bit better. Is it a bit closer to something? Well, I, I work know? in the prison. I work yeah, in the you, prison. Yeah, you still do that? Yeah, I do. I've got the keys to Brixton Prison. Um, not in my in my desk at home, but um, I'm a key holder at Brixton. So I go in quite regularly. So it was really nice for me to put the grey tracksuit on and be sat, you know, stood on the threes. So you do workshops in there, yeah? I do. Um, I actually, it's nothing to do with acting. I, I work on D-Wing, which is a recovery wing, um, with a group called the Forward Trust. And I've got a podcast called... Um, more than my past which is about people who've managed to escape uh, incarceration uh, release re-addiction re-incarceration that circle that goes round and round and that, that it's, it's a really interesting podcast that i'm really proud of and well, we'll i hope also you work up with that podcast absolutely yeah it's interesting it's interesting is that because the... that was you know there but for the grace of god go you or... yeah kind of i'm not in recovery but I was kind of uh, surrounded it by yeah. it when I was younger. I also uh, train listeners in the in the in the general population of the prison who are people who, when you are in crisis or suicidal in your cell, you bang on the door and the guard goes and gets a trained listener who is also a prisoner but is trained as a listener, and then they the listeners go to your cell and you can talk to them, you know, for as long as you need to. Um, and that's reduced uh, suicide in prisons by 50% in the last 10 years. So Did some of that feed into a violent man? Not really, no. I just knew how to wear the tracksuit. That's about it. <laughs> you did very and well. I, yeah, I just had an inner smile because I knew all the, the geezers in Brixton, once they get out, they'll be watching it going, there's Jason, man, in the tracksuit. That's funny. <laughs> so it was quite nice. And what made you you know dedicate so long i mean it's been 30 years that you've been that you've been doing that so what made you sort of you know do that whilst you, whilst balancing the you know the the indie and the hollywood career you've always done it haven't you i haven't always done it to the extent i do now but um i just really enjoy it i think that as with craig's character in a violent man you know they're the, the prisoners are the most maligned group of human beings uh in the uk they survive on a really minimal allowance uh, whilst they're and 
I think that the cost of keeping a prisoner in prison, which is, you know, between 40 and 60,000 pounds a year, if you invested that into training them so that they, when they get out, they've got a possibility of a future and they don't reoffend, even from the most basic Tory uh, fiscal um, reasoning, mm. that would make sense rather than having them come back and do another five stretch, which, you know, costs hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, absolutely. And you've, so, seen, you've seen it work, have you, in action? Yeah, I've seen it work, absolutely. And that's why I was so fascinated with, with that film, because... You know, Craig's character is a violent man. What is a violent man? You know, is it someone who 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 is capable of extreme violence, or is it a man who has uh, reacted to extreme violence and in the only way he's he, he's been taught? And I think that's a really interesting dilemma and something we all need to look at. Mm. What's the best prison movie? What's your favourite prison movie? I do love the prison movie. I, I, I love and the prison yours, movie. Go, yours is sort of... Shawshank. It's got to be, right? Shawshank? Yeah, got well, I mean, it's terms of one of the best films that people love ever. Uh, yeah, but or, I mean, I, I, mean or, I thought of scum watching yours, bitch. No, you know what? What about that one? Oh, the one about the big black guy who kills the children, but he doesn't kill them, and it's amazing. Green Mile. Oh my God! There you go. Is that there's the, the great. Yeah. There's the greatest. There's the greatest prison. Tom Hanks and um, yeah, Michael. You know his name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, mate. I love that film. I love that film. I remember watching it actually in Los Angeles and um, trying not to cry because I was on my own in the cinema. And you know when you try not to cry and you hold it and then you go. <laughs> 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 and the two, the two people out. next to me, two people next to me, jumped out of their seats because I was trying really trying not to to howl with tears. Love that. Film. You know yeah. what? You know Scum, what? Scum's a great movie. Yeah. Scum is a great movie. But it's a different sort of movie. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. Porridge is good as well. Which one? Porridge. Porridge. You know, Ronnie Barker. Porridge is great. <laughs> Porridge is great. Porridge is great. Um, I think in another, you know, if you were born like I don't know, ten years earlier, you might have, you know, ended up in something like Porridge, and that, you'd have been brilliant in that. Thanks, mate. I don't know how to take that, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's I a agree. compliment. It's one of the best. Mr. Ever um, Mackay, Mackay. <laughs> Stir Crazy is one I watched the other day. Just Stir Sydney, Crazy. Sydney I ain't gonna take no shit. Yeah, I ain't gonna take no shit. <laughs> and really I thought, yeah, if you, you know, you, you'd be in a, you'd be a great Gene Wilder. We could remake that because you could you could be a great Gene Wilder. Oh, I could have been a great Gene Gene Wilder, man. I mean, there's some. You know what? I feel when you look at the great films of old, I do feel slightly self-conscious about the films we we. Um, we put out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, stir crazy. <sighs> Just, <laughs> now, and a green mile, Shawshank. I mean, listen, let's be honest. The greatest prison film of all time has to be, we're ignoring one of the most amazing films of all time that I watch annually at Christmas. What, Paddington 2? No, although that's bloody good too. <laughs> the Great Escape. Oh, yes. Yes. Of course. I mean, Gordon, Gordon um, what's his name? Jackson. Um, Gordon Jackson. Good luck. Well, thank you very much. Oh, no. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that is, so those are brilliant. Um, then there's a, a Prophet, really, the French film, A Prophet. I love, the pro I love that movie. That love that too. prison film. And the one that I did the remake of about the football match in the prison. Can't remember what it's called. Um, uh, the, mean the, Machine. Mean Machine. Mean Machine, yeah. The, our one was actually better than the original. Well, the, but, the Robert um, Aldrich one, yeah. It, yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, Wally Downs was your football trainer in that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember interviewing you for that one, I think. <laughs> With Vinny was in that, wasn't he? Well, we've been, yeah, we've been around a long time, James. Stath was in that, Vinny, yeah. all of the boys. I think that was a Matt Vaughan special where he just piled a load of us together yeah here you go boys there's the script make me millions <laughs> yeah and, and he did and he's still doing it so. he's still doing it i know what is so interesting about prison movies okay they, they, little, they come a little world but you've just been in it so yeah i'll cool. tell you what it is i'll tell you what it is with prisons and us is because it's the ultimate fear of all of us it's like that's the dream i have you know the dream i have is that i've 
if I've 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 killed someone in my youth, I've forgotten about it, and then they come to get me, and everything I've got is taken away, and that's a real dream that I and Jason Fleming has, mm. and it's just a fear of not being not deserving what you've got, and the idea of your loss of liberty, which is actually a really interesting concept as well, because prison, the punishment of prison, is the loss of liberty, not how you're then treated, which is my whole problem with the prison system in mm-hmm. the UK. You don't need to be kept in 23 and a half hour bang up, fed terrible food, not trained and treated like shit. The, the punishment is the loss of liberty. What the time that you, the, the punishment is not being in the Christmas photographs. The punishment is not seeing your boys play football. The punishment is not being there when your grandmother dies. That is the punishment. Then what happens during that loss of liberty is should be rehabilitation, recreation of a human being's um, self-worth and therefore their entry back in society as a, as a useful and uh, contributing member of that of our world. That's the key, mm. and that's the problem. And I think that's what all of our fascination with prison is, that it is the ultimate fear. And I suppose that's what the films delve into, because it, it suddenly lets us, we suddenly get to experience it. Oh, fear or dream yeah. or nightmare, yeah. some of it's worth it. And then there's an escape sort of, uh, sort of element to it. Uh, and I guess and just being in close proximity. To, I wonder if I'm watching it because I probably hadn't seen a prison movie other than Stir Crazy. The, the, the locked down feel. I think that lots of people yeah. kind of will probably get that yeah. claustrophobia these days. Actually. I mean, it's a lie. In fact, the film is glamour. It makes it better than it is because at the moment they don't get out. You know, it's 23 and a half hour bang up yeah. on every wing. That's really? it. That's the reality. Half an hour out to Sharon's phone. That's your lot. You know, so and that's been like that since last March. So. The reality is less is even worse than what we see. In did that you movie. shoot? You didn't shoot in a prison. No, it's a, it's a cell that's built. It was, yeah. We did it in down in Stockwell on a little studio lot, um, and all the stuff that goes through the door is green screen, which I think they've done brilliantly. Yeah, look, I couldn't tell. That's why. That's why I asked. I thought I surely they didn't get in, but you know, maybe there's some. There's a ma- there's a million prisons. There's a million prisons you can shoot in, and we've shot in. A, we I've shot in a hundred prisons, but you know the empty one. There's one in Belfast that used to be a political prison. It's now you know it, classic mm. with the three tiers and the you know the nets. Oh, that's a con- good that's a good prison movie. Hunger. I'd forgotten about that one. Oh my Steve god, Hunger. Boy, what about the geezer? What about the bloke who smuggles the gear up his ass and goes into Morocco? That's a Turkish prison. Midnight Express. Midnight Express. Oh my yeah. god. I mean, we're talking great movies about what we fear most isn't it know? and then uh, uh, jack o'connell in um star Love up that. i quite like that yeah, i quite like brilliant. jack o'connell I'm, I'm slightly nervous of him can't quite believe he can be your rudimentary basic he just seems so volatile and i'm sure he isn't i'm sure he's you know you could say that about lots of actors but he just seems so real that I, it makes me slightly I don't scared know. i've interviewed him a couple of times and i'm never sure he might just go I and mean, i couldn't tease him about not being at a suntan in la Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, he seems like the real McCoy. Well, the same with um, your mate Stath as well. I don't, yeah. I don't tease him very often. Oh, he's just grumpy. He's not volatile. He's right. just grumpy. Oh, he's just plays. He's not passive aggressive. He's just aggressive aggressive. No, he's just grumpy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's interesting that thing because you do as you start doing it, you do realise the prison genre has never gone out of fashion. Like I defy you to try and find a gangster movie at the moment, or you know, or you know, because they just no one's interested. Yeah. Or or um, a merchant ivory film about how difficult it is being posh. You know, they do they go out of they go out of, of fashion, do you know what I mean? But your good standard prison movie, you're in the cell and you ain't getting out, is never gone out of fashion. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like a horror, to... isn't it? There, yeah, it's some a total horror, never... But it's real. It's just like you know it could happen. And what's really interesting in our smug middle class lives, 
we all think we're so far away from that. But, you know, we're two, three bad decisions, you know, away yep. from that. And, you know, that can be six months. You know, all you've got to do is go, oh, I'll be all right. I've had three and a half pints, but it'd be fine. And your money around the corner and you, you know, and you drive and hit someone and you're right in there, you know, that's it. Fascinating. That is absolutely, you know? we are a gnat's, gnat's breath away. You're a gnat's breath. And, you know, if you get kicked out, you know, it's the same as being homeless. You know, you get kicked out by the missus because you do a stupid thing. And then while you're at your friend's house on the couch, you get pissed and, ab- and shout and scream at the wife and you're out of there. Mm. And, you know, you're only a couple of houses away from like nowhere to go. You know, it's 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 a it's an interesting uh, thing to, to think about how far I, I away. Love, I love films that deal with that. The, yeah. the sort of fine thread of existence from our comfy yeah. the comfy life to, to to the hard one well what was that one? that was like talking to bloody stephen graham and his bloody bafta nominations and his everyone thinks he's brilliant which <laughs> drives me mad even though i love him dearly and he is brilliant and that amazing film with sean bean at christmas that, that was on um time oh my god you know about the teacher yeah oh, oh, that was a bit uh, that was a bit hard that was a bit hard for me <laughs> It's great. Oh, well, they were too good in it. That's the problem. Yeah, I know, I know. But there you go. There's a school teacher. You know, he drank too much, made a mistake, and before you know it, he's he's inside with all the wrong ones. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's the first film you ever saw, Jason, in the cinema? The first film that I can remember watching, and is still one of my favourite films of all time, is Spartacus. Ooh, what a good one! I know, right? I think I used to go. Mum was a single parent, so she used to drop me at Putney Cinema for the Saturday morning cinema club. She used to be able to just drop the kids at nine and pick them up at 12. And we saw two films in a, I think it was two films in a cartoon. But um, half the cinema was for smoking and half the cinema was not. It was hilarious, <laughs> even at kids club. And uh, I know it's hilarious when you think about it now. But yeah, I think we were, I think I saw Spartacus there because I remember there wasn't two films that day because Spartacus is about three hours and yeah, 20 minutes cool. or something. I think that was, I think, you know, being an old comrade as well and an old lefty, talking about prison movies, there you go. Um, Spartacus was about, you know, incarcerated people, desperate for freedom, desperate for a new life. And um, it really struck something in me politically and filmically. I just loved that. And the I big solidarity that. moment, the I'm Spartacus moment. That, yeah. That, uh, I mean, that, that's so on. visual. And as a, even as a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm Spartacus. And it was amazing. And also with Tony Curtis, you know, doing those ballads of freedom when he played the little thing he's in the camp and you get that kind of montage of of sold, of um, slaves like holding each other up by the hand and, mm. you know, feeding children and an old man. I, fuck, I was like, that's it. I'm a socialist. That's it. I've got this. I've got this for life now. That's it. <laughs> well, what a brilliant first film. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. I was expecting like Jungle Book or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I think that's the first. I mean, I probably wasn't the first one. But I think no, it's the let's first have time. it. You, yeah, you've got yeah, that. That's, that's, that's the good. first film I properly remember. Did you have a poster on your wall when you were a kid? Did you have a film poster or a teenager or a student? Yeah, do you know what I did? I had um, Jailhouse Rock. I was madly into um, into Elvis. Madly into Elvis. And all Elvis films. I loved them. Subsequently, as I got older, learned about the Colonel and their relationship and <laughs> Elvis's, uh, Elvis's bad choices that he was making and why. Mm. But... I did. I did have uh, the Jailhouse Rock poster up on my wall from quite an early, from about nine, ten. I was. I loved Elvis, yeah. you know. And I've always, always have done. And glibly say, but you know, I, I always say when people say, "What's the film you would like to? What would you like to play that you never did?" And I would go Elvis Presley, the Sun Collection, you know, the early years of Elvis. But I've obviously missed the boat for that one. It's more yeah. like it's going to be the Vegas years now, <laughs> the, on the toilet, <laughs> yeah, with the burger. I might yeah, catch the exactly. last, the last twenty minutes of Elvis's life. I could just about do. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big sandwich if you want to get. Yeah. Have you got one on for film poster now in your house? Yeah, I've got loads. I'm looking at one now. What you got? Le Daleks, Invasion, La Terre. 
Ooh. Peter Cushing. It's the French. <laughs> it's the French original poster of the Daleks Invasion Earth, which was directed by the great late Gordon Fleming. Oh wow, that's what yeah. he did. Yeah, my dad was the director, yeah. and he directed Doctor Who and the Daleks. And there's a couple of posters. There's another one upstairs, which has got Now in Technicolor, which is like a design classic. And as I'm walking through the house, I'm just, because Ellie loves it, Ellie loves them too, I'm just going to tell you what else we've got. So we've got the two Daleks. Yeah. And there's one up here. Oh, there's two up here, actually. Hold on, I'm running upstairs. Brilliant. I'm turning Light. on the lights. Here we go. There is Stand By Me by Rob Reiner. Oh, I love that. If film. I could have... And it, the poster is literally the boys walking along the, the water. And if I could only have one food a week for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pears, cherry pears, no question about it. <laughs> what a brilliant and, that is. Quality. And in the bedroom is the Night of the Living Dead. They keep coming back in bloodthirsty lust for human flesh. Pits the dead against the living in a struggle for survival. Directed by the late, great Romero. George Romero, wow. Beautiful one. And, and I love the fact that Noah's sitting there, like, completely oblivious to the zombies. He's oblivious. He's <laughs> oblivious. Oh, and there's the zombie satire. And he's and playing the FIFA. Go- and I've got a little um, one, one sheet for the Godfather, which is in the bedroom as well. Wow, oh, gorgeous. That, that Stand By Me. Have, they see, have your kids seen it? Have you shown it? It's such a yeah, they loved it. Yeah, loved they it. liked it. It's good. <laughs> I'll send that to you and I'll put the phone down. But yeah, mate, so that's us. Brilliant! You're on. You know, it's great to see you on good form, mate. Great to see you Thank in the. You. Anyway, to see you in a film. Always nice to see you in a, in a film. Thank but you. like two in a row that you know are nice British indies supporting it. Roots stuff. I like, really, really pleasing, Jace. Thanks, mate. Lots of love. Yeah, lots of love. Keep well. Have a great, great um, award season. And you know, if you win, Saftas. And listen, when you start producing, and I start producing. I'll see you on the Quasette. Mate, we are there in the <laughs> in the Marche at the Palais. We are some. We are some. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Lots of love. Salam, mate. Bye. There you go, Jason Fleming. Yeah, I'm sorry if it's a little longer than normal this week, but it is BAFTA nominations week, and those two, Jason Fleming and Ariana DeBose, are well worth going in deep with, I think. It's the Critics Circle Awards on Sunday night, February the 6th. They're live on YouTube, on the YouTube channel of the Critics Circle, from 7pm, and I'm presenting the Attenborough Award for Best British Film there, so do have a look, see who wins. It's a virtual thing this year, I'm afraid, but that does make it zip along very nicely. And on Tuesday, February the 8th, I'll be back live on BBC News and World, co-hosting our live Oscar nominations coverage alongside Jane Hill. It's always exciting, though I reckon this BAFTA list we've just heard is pretty strong and impressively diverse, with a top cast of roles and faces, even without Jessica Shane and even without Olivia Colman, which I was a bit surprised about. The lost daughter BAFTA voters obviously have had enough of her, don't want to see her no matter how good she is, and not having West Side Story among best film, which I think is a misstep. But nevertheless, you you can't win them all, uh, and this has been nevertheless a great set of nominations. You know, the good film's in there. So if you're going to ask me, seen any good films lately, I refer you to those nominations because there's some excellent ones in there. And you probably haven't seen them and you can catch up with many of them in the cinema or on streaming platforms. And quite a few guests on this show have been nominated. Ruth Neger, Aleem Khan, Renata Rainsvi, who we got first from uh, Cannes, where she won Best Actress there, nominated for Best Actress. Uh, Paolo Sorrentino, Celine Sciamma, uh, Andrea Arnold's documentary Cow, uh, Chai Haley from The Rescue, uh, Adil Akhtar, who was on the Cannes show, a wonderful nomination for him for Ali and Ava as Best Actor, brilliant for him. Uh, and Last Night in Soho, and of course the wonderful Ariana DeBose. Thanks to all of them, and I'm sure... 
they're all thanking you for listening to them on this show and for this show for getting them noticed and obviously getting them votes all right then let's go out with another recommendation from me it's the 4k restoration of Jules Jim starring Jeanne Moreau from 1962 playing uh, as part of BFI Southbank's Francois Truffaut season and it looks wonderful up there that story of a doomed love triangle set against the World War One rumblings it's such a totem of nouvelle vague liberation and sexual enlightenment So let's hear from Jeanne Moreau as she sings this from the film. It became her signature torch song, Le Tourbillon. A bientôt, mes amis. Elle avait des bagues à chaque doigt, des tas de bracelets autour des poignets. Et puis elle chantait avec une voix qui cite au mangeola. Elle avait des yeux, des yeux d'opale qui me fascinaient, qui me fascinaient. Il y avait le bas de son visage pâle. De femme fatale qui me fut fatale, de femme fatale qui me fut fatale. 